This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to dissect how to get better at what we do on Saturdays by training in the gym. Again, how to get better at what we do on Saturdays by training in the gym. Now, the reason I'm saying we do is because I literally mean what we do at advanced training on Saturdays. Now, before you uh, shut off this podcast and say, I don't train with these guys on Saturdays, it's worth listening to because with any sport... There has to be some bridge between what you're doing in the gym versus what you're doing on the field. So if I am an inside linebacker and I am working on linebacker drills, very little of that is being taken care of by my deadlift or my bench press or my squat or my pull-up or that type of stuff that I'm doing in the gym. So what? let's talk about this bridge. Let's talk about what's going on in the gym. Let's talk about what's going on in the field. So the things that you're doing in the gym, for the most part, are referred to as general physical preparedness. And it basically means exactly what it says. In general, it's making you more prepared to be physical, right? Uh, It's being, uh, doing a back squat is not something I'm actually doing on a football field, but some would argue that it would make you a better football player by being able to hold that load on your back, by making yourself stronger, by having hip and ankle mobility. All of that stuff in some way, shape, or form should prepare you to get to be a better player on the field. So that's called general physical preparedness. And if you're an advanced training type of guy and you're doing it the right way, the things that you're doing in the gym should be making you stronger. They should be making you faster. They should be making you more uh, resilient to preventing injuries or recovery. They should be working on unilateral work. So I'm working on my right leg. I'm working on my left leg. I'm working on my right arm, working on my left arm. Like really just trying to balance out the body so that when you get on the field, you're as prepared as possible to perform. Now, that's called general physical preparedness. When I go onto the field, the things that I'm doing, that linebacker drill, if I'm a basketball player and I'm working on dribbling, if I'm a, I don't know, a hockey player and I'm working on handling the puck, all of that stuff is called sport-specific preparedness. So what you're doing in the gym, for the most part, only prepares you to train better at your sport. It's not making you better at your sport. It should be preparing you to train better for your sport. That's sport-specific preparedness. In between the two, there is a bridge. So that bridge is something that we used to call chaos training when we were working 
inside of a gym at advanced training. Now, the simplest thought of this is general physical preparedness. Let's take it outside a gym. I'm going to sprint. I'm learning how to sprint, and I'm just learning how to run. Boom, working on my sprint mechanics. That's general physical preparedness. Sports-specific training is I am a wide receiver, and I am learning how to run a dig route. Boom. That is your sports-specific preparedness. Somewhere in between, I need to learn how to take that sprinting and correlate it into my sport. Well, maybe now in my chaos training, when I'm sprinting, I'm going to sprint based on the movement of someone else. So instead of me just going or someone saying go, I'm going to sprint when the person ahead of me sprints, and I'm going to chase them. Or when that person sprints at me, I'm going to run away from them. We're going to play tag. Now, that is a means of chaos training. So when we were, were training inside of a gym at advanced training, we did a lot of things to bridge the gap between general physical preparedness and sports-specific training so that our hope was our athletes were, had, basically had a leg up against everyone else they were going to compete with on that football field. Now, where does this tie into today's podcast? Well, I'm going to make the assumption that people that train with me on Saturdays are advanced training guys and that they know what they're doing in the gym. So they're not just working on uh, vanity workouts to look good in a bodybuilding competition, that they are doing things in the gym to actually give them the correct general physical preparedness. What I want to talk about is the bridge stuff, the stuff that's going to bridge them from what they're doing in a gym to what they want to be doing on Saturdays. Now, where did this question come from? Where did this topic come from? We've had a bunch of guys that are either new to the group to train with us on Saturdays, or they were they used to train with us on Saturdays. They went away for a long time, and now they're coming out of retirement, and they don't, they feel winded or they feel like they can't keep up. So what we're going to do is talk about that bridge. Let's talk about what's the stuff that we can do in a gym that is not part of their general physical preparedness that would give them a fighting chance to be better on Saturdays. And I'm also going to make the assumption in this podcast that they don't have these toys inside of their gym. I'm going to assume that the toys that we use on Saturdays, they don't don't exist in their gym. So we're going to figure out how to get the best bridge from what they're traditionally doing to what we're doing on Saturdays. And here we go. We're going to start off with the first one. It's called a farmer's walk. For people that don't know, a farmer's walk is is essentially like a, I think it's like a five-foot pole with a handle on the top of that pole. You load weights on each side of that pole, and you walk around with that pole. That's called a farmer's walk. Guys struggle with this for two reasons. One, their grip strength is so weak that they cannot pick up that pole. And two, their core strength is so weak that they can't stabilize it as they have the pole off the ground. So their body gets all twisted around, and they flip over, right? Or they they kind of fall over. So I'm not going to tell you here to do more grip work or... I'm not going to tell you to do anything that you would traditionally do in the gym to make yourself a better athlete, right? That's stuff I'm assuming you're already doing. What I'm going to talk about is the bridge. So what's a good bridge? A good bridge is walking up to the dumbbell rack, picking up a dumbbell, and walking around your gym with it. Why? Because that's pretty close to simulating what we're doing on Saturdays. It's working on your grip strength, and it's working on you stabilizing your core as you only have that weight on one side of your body. So pick up one dumbbell, not two, because we're doing the farmer's walk with one arm, and walk around your gym. If you don't have a lot of room to walk around your gym, and you only have like a five-foot area, walk forwards, walk backwards, walk forwards, walk backwards, walk forwards, walk backwards. And if you really have no room, pick up the dumbbell 
and march in place. And don't be that guy that picks up the dumbbell and stands in front of the dumbbell rack and marches in place because now nobody else can get dumbbells while you're marching in place with this farmer's walk. All right, so pick up that dumbbell and walk around if you have the room. If not, get away from the rack and march in place. The other trick you could use is to pick up a curling bar. It's about 15 pounds. It's a... Uh, it's obviously longer than the dumbbell, so it's going to more closely simulate to what we're doing with the farmer's walk. And put some weight on either side of that curling bar. Put clamps on it, make sure you don't kill anybody. And walk around the gym. And it's, it's, it's interesting because that curling bar does not have grip. Most of them don't have grip in the middle, so now it's really tough to hold on to that curling bar as you're walking through your gym. Now, you might say, Coach, can I take a 45-pound barbell and do that? You probably could. Uh... But if you can do that, A, you're probably killing it on Saturdays anyway, and B, there's not a lot of room in your gym to walk around with a 45-pound plate. I'm sorry, barbell. There's just not a lot of room. Now, you could stand there and hold it with one arm. We've done that before, like an isometric hold. But again, that is not closely simulating what we're doing with the farmer's walk. The farmer's walk, it's not just about picking up that weight and holding it. It's about walking with that weight in your hand, and that adds a whole new level of complexity to it. And again, I'm assuming that if you're an advanced training guy, you're already doing enough grip work, which may include barbell iso holds, right? So I'm not including that stuff, but I, the stuff that we're going to talk about is the bridge between what you're doing in the gym and what we're doing on Saturdays. Okay, toy number two, the Prowler. The Prowler, this is the one that, that gasses a lot of people. Now, part of this, and this is not going to seem obvious, but part of the, the gassing that comes with the prowler, let me explain what the prowler is first for people that don't know. It's a sled that goes on the ground. It's got a set of high handles and a set of low handles. You add weight to this prowler, and you push it. You, you put, drive it with your feet. You're holding onto it with your arms, and you push this prowler from one point to another. Simple enough. Now, what gasses people, and they don't know it, is that they lack mobility in their ankles. So they can't get into the right position to push the prowler, and they're leaking energy as they're trying to push the prowler. So one thing that you're going to want to do is work on that ankle mobility, and one great trick is called an ankle rocker. Now, on Saturdays, we work on this. Guys may not know why, but a lot of times we're doing ankle rockers immediately before we do the prowler. We, we do prehab movements. We'll do the prowler. We'll do prehab. We'll do a prowler. We'll do prehab. Right before we do the prowler, we're doing this prehab movement. We're doing an ankle rocker. So just uh, kneel down on the ground. Let's just say your left knee's on the ground. Your right leg is up. And you're going to put your hand on top of your right knee to put a little bit of extra force or weight into that knee. And then I just want you to drive your knee over your toe. Drive your, just basically rock back and forth with your knee over your toe, keeping your foot flat on the ground. And being able to get your ankle into that position is a great way for you to be able to get your body in the right position as you are pushing this prowler. Because when you watch the great ones do it, when you watch the great ones push the prowler, they have sick shin angles. Their shin is like at a 45-degree angle to the floor, and they're in a great position, and they're not leaking any energy. They're getting to where they want to go in less steps because they are not driving down the Garden State Park, the parking, uh, Parkway with the parking brake on. We've talked about this type of thing before. So they are driving themselves in the right position. Sorry, to the right position. <laughs> they're driving themselves as efficiently as possible because their shins are in the right position. Okay, other things that you can do. Uh, I Again, I'm, I'm trying to bridge the gap. A slow, I don't want you running around your gym like a maniac, a slow crawl through your gym forward. Now, what is this doing? This is just helping your body get used to moving where your, your hands are 
planted on something, the ground, uh, or one hand is planted on the ground at, at this point when you're crawling, but it's just getting used to forcing your legs to drive your body without the assistance of your arms, right? If my, my arms are on the ground and I'm just kind of letting them flow, but most of it's moving with my legs, that's going to help. Now, I'll throw one in that doesn't seem like too much of a bridge exercise because it seems quasi-traditional. It's a mountain climber. So do some mountain climbers, but as you're doing it, I really want you to think about just punching your knees forward, punching your knees forward, because that is one of the, the only coaching cues we give when people are doing the prowlers. Punch your knee forward, punch your knee forward, punch your knee forward, punch your knee forward, punch your knee forward. We're just trying to get people to punch those knees into the prowler. And when you're doing your mountain climber, think of the same thing. I'm punching my knee forward. I'm punching my knee forward. I'm punching my knee forward. The last thing I'd recommend, and this has nothing to do with a gym, get outside of a gym and sprint. Now, why sprint? Well, sprinting, when you're in the gym, you're not really getting this highly, like this, this fast twitch movements that involve every part of your body in, for this long of a time. So you could say, coach, I jump. Yes, but that's for like a half a second. Uh, coach, I'm doing a uh, hand clean. Yes, but it is not total coordination for three to five seconds like a sprint would be. Total body coordination, ground impact with your feet, uh, you know, things moving past you, right? Like as you're running, there's th the environment is moving past you. So sprinting is a great way to get your body moving as fast as possible and getting your foot driving into the ground which it's not exactly like a prowler, but again, it's going to be some form of a bridge to get you ready for that prowler. Okay, I'm going to take a quick segue here. Maybe you can call it a shameless plug, but think about this too. Talking about driving with a parking brake on. If you do not have good mobility in your toes, uh, not, maybe not just saying just your ankles, but if you don't have it in your toes, then you're not going to be able to drive in, in your feet into the ground. Again, you're going to be driving with the parking brake on while you are at the Garden State Parkway. So what is my, sorry, you're driving down the par Garden State Parkway. So what is my shameless plug? Well, I, my, people say, coach, man, your feet are broken. They've been broken. And they were broken. They were absolutely broken. And it would kill me, not only uh, on the Prowler, but it would kill me on the Farmer's Walk. It would kill me on sliders. It kill me on everything. Anyway, since I've gotten these wide-toed shoes from a, wide box-toed shoes from Zero Shoes, everything's changed. I can, like, wiggle my toes all around now. I have good toe mobility. Uh, I can get a workout in at any time. I'm talking like walking the dog. I am getting a full body workout in just walking the, do the dog because not only are these wide toe shoes, but they're minimalist so I can feel the ground. I walk on different surfaces. I walk on rocky surfaces. I work on pavement. I walk on concrete. I feel these different. I can actually feel every step that I'm taking. Or when I went to the movies to go watch the Batman, I'm doing my toe mobility exercises because I have room in these wide toe shoes to do that. So if you want wide toe shoes, and if you want to help out advanced training, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash MahoneyAT. That's zeroshoes.com slash go slash MahoneyAT. Apologies for the shameless plug, but it 100% directly correlates into this prowler. If your feet are like bricks and you have no mobility in your toes and your feet are all squished up together, it's going to be really hard to drive them into the ground as you're pushing this prowler. So, hell, I'm even thinking... uh. If you do a mountain climbers, if your shoe, if your if your place allows it, if you don't have zero shoes, take your shoes off and do them without shoes on. Same thing with those crawls. Take your shoes off, and uh, even if you're just wearing socks, but really work on getting your feet, really push them into the ground and get some foot strength and some mobility in your toes and in your ankles. Okay, we're going to the next toy. 
a furniture slider. So what's a furniture slider? It's literally the stuff that you move furniture with. And what we do is reverse furniture slider movement. So we put our feet on the slider and we push our hands forward to drive our body backwards. So the first trick to this, it's going to sound simple, but nobody's going to like it, is you got to lose body fat. The fatter you are, the more fat that you are carrying around, the harder it is to move yourself. It's, it's extra luggage that you don't need to carry. It is extra luggage that you don't need to push around. Imagine doing a bodyweight push-up. Now imagine doing a push-up with a 45-pound plate on your back. Think about the difference. Okay, so lose body fat, and that's going to help. Now, say, coach, I've lost some body fat, but uh, I'd still stink at this. All right, so step one for me, and this might be more of a general physical preparedness, is to be, can I perform a bodyweight plank? Okay, good. I can perform a push-up plank. I'm good. Now what you'd want to do is just take your right hand off the ground and then put it back on the ground and take your left hand off the ground. Put your left hand back on the ground, pick your right hand up off the ground. What is this doing? Well, this is simulating more of the movement of, or more of the positioning that we're going to be in while we're doing a reverse slider. Why is that? Because we only have one hand on the ground at most times, right? As you're pushing yourself backwards, most times only one hand is on the other ground on the ground while the other hand is starting to get back into position. So do things where you can get that one hand off the ground. Now you may say, Coach, what about uh, push-ups and inverted rows? Awesome stuff. Do them. Uh, I would consider that part of the general physical preparedness, but definitely do that stuff. Uh, another thing for a bridge movement would be, just like we were doing forward animal crawls, I would work on backwards animal crawls, where now you're getting a good feel for what it's like to push your hands through the ground, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if I want to go backwards, I want to push my hand through the ground, but not down. I want to push the ground forward. So really work on pushing the ground forward and punching the ground. I like to punch it with the palm of my hand forward. So if I push the ground forward, I'm going to move backwards. Then the last trick that I have, and this is one from uh, Joe Derrida, but this is like a, a normal person version of what Joe Derrida was doing. So what he was doing, I, I'm worried what people would blow out some part of their body. But what I would recommend is you take a band. If you're an advanced training guy, you should have bands. You take the band, you wrap it in a figure eight, you wrap it around your back. Now your hands are inside that band, and while you're just standing up, just push your hands into the air one at a time one at a time. Do it as, as fast as you can. The, the resistance of that band pulling you back is going to be similar but not identical to what's going on while you're moving the prowler and do that for like 10 to 15 seconds. So these, all those movements are great bridge exercises to what you will be doing on Saturdays with the sliders. But the key thing, none of this will matter if you are carrying around excessive body fat. It's just, a, it's just luggage that you don't need to have. And speaking of luggage, I'm going to take a quick detour back to the farmer's walk. One thing that I forgot to mention was you can perform a suitcase deadlift. So most people are performing regular deadlifts where you stand over a barbell and uh, you use both legs. Oh, I'm not all use both legs. You use both arms. You're standing over a barbell. The barbell's in front of you. You pick up the, the barbell. Everybody knows that. Now, suitcase deadlift is you stand to the side of a barbell and you deadlift it with one arm. And you only put weight on one side of that barbell. So you put the, the barbell on the floor. You, you maybe take that barbell, put it into one of those little sleeves that holds one into the barbell. Then you put weight on the other side, and you perform a deadlift with that barbell to one side of your body. It's not going to train you to walk around with this thing, but it is going to train you to pick up heavy weight with one arm off the floor, which is how all of those farmer's walks begin. 
So that's a nice little bridge exercise as well. The last thing we'll talk about is the seated sled pull. I'm going to say this, and you could say, Coach, this is a humble brag, but I'm going to say this to impress upon you that sometimes general physical preparedness doesn't always help you all the way when you're on a field. So I, here's a humble brag. I can pretty easily rack any seated cable roll machine there is. I'll just I'll kill it. If there's 150 pounds, I'm killing it. Most guys on our crew can. It's just what we did. It's what we do. It got easy, so easy we put fat grips on to make the make it a fat grip element. It got easy, so we decided to work on eccentrics, then OCOMs. We put every variation you could possible on the seated sled row. Now, the the even a, a dumbbell bent over row that didn't help either. So why doesn't this help? Well, certainly to do a seated sled pull. Let me explain what it is first. You sit on a bucket. Uh, you hold on to a chain. The chain's about 15 feet long. At the other end of this chain is a sled. The sled has weight on it, and you're going to pull that sled into you. You're going to use the chain to pull the sled to you at the bucket. The reason this doesn't necessarily work is, well, first off, you do need grip strength, right? So the seated, the, the, lat, the lat row, uh barbell bent over row, dumbbell bent over row, all this stuff is absolutely going to help your grip strength. It's going to help your back strength with your need. It's also going to help your core strength. Now, you need all of these things, but what I realized was when you are doing two arms on the seated cable row, it is not necessarily training you to engage your core the same way as you would while you're sitting on a, on a bucket pulling a chain. And why is that? Because when you're pulling the chain, not only are your arms moving, but for most of the time, there's only one hand on the chain, similar to this when there's only one hand on the floor for a slider. So the trick that I would recommend in a gym is to, first off, well, let's, let's start with the simpler one. When you're doing that seated cable row, pull the, the, the toy, or sorry, pull the handle into yourself with two arms, and then let it go back, back towards the waist, release it with one arm. So pull it in with two, release it with one. Pull it in with two, release it with one. So if you're a, a, a weightlifting geek, the concentric mo motion pulling it into you is two arms. The eccentric motion is one arm. So do that. Then the other thing I would do is just do one arm. Do a one arm row. Do eight with your right arm, then do eight with your left arm. That little trick is going to help you stabilize your core so you can help stabilize the chain. The other thing you could do is do one row with one arm, let it go, grab it with the right arm, let it go. So really just switch arms every single rep. Because you'll notice the guys that do this great, and I'm not one of them, that chain does not swing from left to right. A guy like me who can kill the seated cable row, I, I, my chain will swing. There's a couple different reasons for it. One of them I, I think has, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So my chain will swing. Uh... And you want to make sure that chain is not swinging because, again, you are leaking en energy. Now, the prerequisite for this is, yes, grip strength, back strength, core strength. You need that so you can pull that chain in. You need it. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to, to pull the, the chain into your body. But I'm assuming, again, you're a gym person. You do things for your grip strength, back strength, core strength. The bridge is that type of a movement with the one-arm seated row. Now, the other thing I'll add in, and do this in your house so nobody makes fun of you or, I don't know, shames you. Sit down and simulate the movement of the chain pull on air. I'd say do it for about 10 seconds, maybe like five sets of 10, because part of this too is the dexterity of moving the chain with your hands, right? I mean, how fast are you moving your hands in that position in the gym? Probably never. 
So again, the nice bridge is to move those hands in the same like same type of thought process when I put that band around my back for the slider, right? I want to be able to move my hands in that fast motion. Same thing like when I'm trying to sprint to bridge that gap to the prowler. So this is that nice connection. Again, do this one in your own home or uh, you may be made, made fun of. All right, people. Hopefully, hopefully this explains to you the best way to train in the gym so that you get better on Saturdays. And the last thing I'll say, and maybe it should have been the first thing I'll say, the real best way to get better at it is to just show up. The guys that are great at this stuff are the guys that consistently show up and they've been doing it for years and years. This is what I tell people when they come to the first day of advanced training and they feel like crap when other people are smoking them. I say, look, man, that guy Pete Amorosi, he's been doing this since he was 17 years old. This guy Pete Baraji, he's been doing this for the last four years straight. These guys are getting better and better because they consistently show up. They've gotten reps on reps on reps on reps of stuff. That's why they're getting better at it, because their brain and their body are figuring out how to work together in these, these exercises that we're doing. All right, so the best way is just show up consistently, and if you're not showing up consistently, no matter what you do in that gym, you're never going to be as great as the guy that's showing up every single time. All right, enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you soon.